So yeah, Sakari, so tell me about your journey in this culinary world. First of all, can we talk about your swag? I, well, I love what? the jacket. Can we talk about your swag? You got the shades on. Come on. What a dude. <laughs> Let's go, man. Now nah, I'm super humble to be here, man. Super happy. Uh, my journey, man, you know, I'm 28. I'm from Long Island, New York. But I've been cooking since when I was like 15, 16. Started off at McDonald's. I got hired on National Hiring Day. They had a little commercial came in on a came in with a suit. And they were like, I can't believe you came in with a suit. Like, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? So you're hired. Uh, they hired me on the spot. From there, that taught me a lot, right? It taught me about the importance of a smile. It taught me about customer service, how to upsell, a lot of important things. You know, for that, and that was like the first thing that I was kind of good at. From there, I went to, to culinary school. The only reason I went to culinary school was because it was right next door to a McDonald's. I thought McDonald's was going to be my life career. I thought that was going to be it. Uh, but little did I know God had different plans, you know? I... Uh, I joined the student chef, uh, student team there. I became student chef of the year. I won a gold medal with Team USA. And from there, I worked at some of the world's best restaurants, right? So I worked at Maria, which had two Michelin stars at the time in New York City. I worked at 11 Madison Park, which at the time, it was the number one restaurant in the world. I did a black, after that, I did a black chef's food tour, right? So I really wanted to kind of really indulge in my roots. So I went around the country and started working for some of the best black chefs, you know, Eduardo Jordan, Kwame Awache, Omar Tate, Chef JJ Johnson, met some friends and, and mentors along the way there. And then I missed fine dining, right? And basically I, I helped my friend and him and I got a Michelin star when I was 24 years old. On the Lower East Side, we were doing like Japanese inspired, French inspired cuisine that had to close, right? because of location, no social media presence, et cetera. So from that kind of point, I was like, man, I need to learn about business. I need to learn about marketing, social media, the importance of it. So he helped me get to restaurants in Europe. I ended up living in Europe for about a year, worked over there, some really great restaurants, came back and just started my company, Noble Promise. Um, so my name, Sakari in Swahili, means noble promise, which means you have a promise in future and you keep to your word. So it started off as pop-ups, but as I became more familiar with with people like my mentors, like Gary Vaynerchuk and other business people and things like that, you know, we pivoted to a media company, Noble Promise Studios, which is, you know, what, what our mission is, is to tell the stories of myself and of others that are trying to break through, through content and through storytelling. And that's our storytelling vehicle, you know, through that, that's kind of how we we started to figure out ways to connect with people, right? And for me, I call it like my mixtape. You know, this is like me giving you my mixtape. So we created a product, our banana pudding, Kari's banana pudding. It's totally vegan, um, no processed sugar, gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, everything. It's for everybody, right? And it's dedicated to my father, who we turned to Max. He passed away from complications from COVID. He had diabetes as well. And, you know, banana pudding was one of his favorite desserts. You know what I mean? We dedicated this dessert to him. We actually turned him into a cartoon, into our mascot for our company, for our storytelling vehicle, right? Um, for No Promise Studios. And we dedicate this dessert to him. And it's something that, like I said, is, is my vehicle kind of to tell my story and kind of get people to know a little bit about me. So it's made for everyone. It's healthy. It's delicious. And um, most recently, we were at a New York fashion show with 360 Magazine. And that's how I met this amazing person right here. And here we are. Let's go. No, let's go. Sounds like wow, you have a uh, you have a very solid pitch there, son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so, no, that's an amazing story. Great information. I, my um, I also noticed that when I was doing some research on you, that you're pastry chef as well. So yeah, so what happened was was I was on Chopped Food Network's Chopped right back in 2016, and I went against a pastry chef. 
on the final round and I lost. And I was like, man, this sucks, right? For me, like one of my, like, you know, one of the people that inspired me is Kobe Bryant, right? And he talks about kind of like, if you're looking at basketball, right? You're going up with your right hand and you need to learn how to go up with your left. That's how I look at learning pastries, right? So when I worked in Europe, I uh, told the chef, I'm like, listen, I want to learn about pastries, you know, because in Europe, it's totally different. There is no savory and pastry chef. There's just a chef and they do everything. So over there, I did pastries, learned how to make homemade breads, macaroons, you know, a whole bunch of different desserts and things like that. And that's kind of what made me become comfortable with desserts and kind of now why I can do different things and be versatile. Is there any big differences with the dough they use in their pastries or their desserts or their baking? I would say the quality of the ingredients, right? Like if you're, if you're in Europe and things like that, like when you're sourcing things, like just there's not as much additives over there, you know? If you look at Italy, right? And certain parts of Italy, they have some of the most like elderly people, right? But they eat pasta every day. So I was like, why is that, right? Like if pasta is supposed to be bad for you, but you eat pasta every day and you're living till 90, 100 and all these nonas and things, it's because of the ingredients. There is no additives and things like that in it. So people can actually eat a lot of different things. So yeah, it's just the quality ingredients, I would say. Nice. Speaking of quality and ingredients, I know that you're going to be, you're kind of ramping up to open up, uh, I guess, your doors in Brooklyn, right? Correct. Correct. So we're looking to open up our, our studio and our restaurant, you know, quarter one of next year. And basically, you know, a small restaurant showcasing black and brown chefs and, and myself and, you know, really using storytelling through Noble Promise Studios. But for me, it's, it's just an opportunity to really storytell using people that inspired me from before. You know, what I've been doing all for Black History Month is uh, dropping every single day a different dish that's been inspired for me from a different chef. You know, you know the James Hemings of the world, uh, the Hercules of the world, you know, reason why we eat macaroni and cheese today in America, like different people that have inspired me throughout my journey. So that's some of the dishes that we'll be doing when I was on House Kitchen, on this season House Kitchen. You know, the first dish that I did was actually a dish dedicated to Thomas Downey and, and Omar Tate, who's one of my mentors. And I did an oyster stew because he was known as the oyster king back in the day, right? And ended up getting well-received and Gordon Ramsay loved it. So uh, just really storytelling in all aspects of my life. Like that's, that's really what I'm about. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, for me, everything is designed. And for us at 360, we feel like your food is designed, your body is designed, your recipes are designed. So it's like when you speak about the stories, I feel like a lot of the fashion houses have kind of lost that. But now they're trying to find their way back, so to speak. And I feel like that's very important to have a story with your, your dishes. Because it's, it's a mental thing, too. People don't understand. We see food. We smell food. We taste food. We also we want to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. And so with you, how did you go on this journey with Chops in um, 2016? Like, how did you get, how did you even know about this show? Like, yeah, this yeah, yeah. How old were you? Like a bait? Like, 10? <laughs> <laughs> how old? I think I was like 21, 22. I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, really young competitor. And uh, I wouldn't say I lied. I definitely finessed a little bit. You know, I was in charge of, uh, at the time I was working with Murray, I was working with a lot of fish. They were looking for a, bitcher, a butcher. I wasn't necessarily a butcher, but I knew how to butcher. So kind of put that in and they inquired about me. And then once, like, I'm the type of person, once my door, like once my foot is in the door, we just kind of knock that thing down. You know what I mean? We just, they just love me and they love my storytelling capabilities and my personality. And you know, I went on the show and, and I did really, really well and, and they loved it. And, and for me, it was it was an amazing time because, you know, it was the first time people that I didn't know were able to taste my food. And I remember coming in there like, who is this little kid? You know what I mean? Like, wh like what is this guy? You know, and then they start tasting the food. And then for me, one of the favorite things about cooking is like your body almost when you cook for people, they, it opens up a little bit. Right. They it kind of just it's just sharing. It's a sharing experience. You know what I mean? And and uh, I was able to see that journey through. And it was an incredible time. What was one of the. uh 
the most poignant things you've learned from that journey on child? So for me, like for me, child was like another day in the pantry, right? When you grow up and you don't have much and all you got is leftover rice or refried beans or you know what I mean? Like hot dog, whatever it is you got in the pantry. That's like, that's what I was doing when I was a kid. So for me, it was like chopped was like another day in the at park, you know, of course it was hard. Uh, for me though, I think just thinking on the fly, you know, it was an ice cream themed episode. So every basket had ice cream. Right. And I told, I actually practiced the day before this is like behind the scenes type of stuff, but I practiced the day before with one of my friends who's actually a pastry chef. And she's like, you should practice ice cream. I'm like, who's stupid enough to do ice cream? on chopped like you're not gonna do ice cream on chopped you only have a little bit of time like don't do that little did i know it's ice cream themed episode the last part you actually have to make ice cream so i think it was all part of god's plan which was like it was a learning lesson for sure and that's what really inspired me to really kind of hone in on my weaknesses right and say like i need to learn how to make an ice cream i need to learn how to make basic doughs and basic ingredients when it comes to pastries and stuff like that so speaking of ice cream Aren't you working in tandem with Clap Ice Cream? Or- yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so tell me about that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So Clap Ice Cream, a good friend of mine's Josh. We got introduced from a mutual friend. And um, you know, I tasted his ice cream. It was delicious. It's he's someone that not only is focused, a young go-getter. He's 20, he's only 24 years old, you know what I mean? But he's a hustler. He really prides himself in the quality of the ingredients, which is something that I can resemble to as a chef. You know what I mean? I, I like to use the highest ingredients really of quality. So when I start telling him about the banana pudding, that's when we start to partner on it. You know what I mean? And he has a uh, cafe in, in New York City and we started to talk about future collaborations and things like that. And and it was just a, a really uh, organic collaboration, organic gel session. You know, we, we just really go well together. And so did you two come up with all the different flavors? Could you have a vanilla, a strawberry, a chocolate? Right. So that was all Josh. I came in and I was like, man, this is incredible. I love what you're doing. And he showed me the whole operation and things like that. For me, my favorite, my favorite flavor was definitely the cookies and cream. I thought that was super dope. Uh, but he really likes to, he really wants to highlight other chefs. You know, I've introduced him to some, some other chefs as well uh, for his cafe. And he wants to do different dinners and things like that. So uh, the clap is all him, man. But you know, the, the part of part of what I'm building with Noble Promise Studios is to create a platform for other artists, right? Under my umbrella of Noble Promise Studios, we have artists which is like Moshe Douglas, who does who has a clothing design piece in Parmesan. We have Kelsey Gidding, who has art of, right? Which is his art and he does paintings and things like that. And now we've partnered up with Josh, who has claps, right? And we're able to showcase him. So for me, it's just the opportunity to collaborate, partner and really showcase talented individuals. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like an excellent opportunity that you fell into and it feels very organic. The number so one great. thing. It's the most important right. thing. Number one thing. And then having said that, now that you've you've been on Chops, working with Josh, you're doing claps, you have this great ice cream that tastes amazing, by the way. And now you're like focused on Hell's Kitchen. Not you watching this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So the focus right now, you know, Hell's Kitchen was amazing. Um, everyone definitely should watch House Kitchen. It's an amazing season. It finally finished airing. Uh, no spoiler. I won't spoil anything. But, you know, for me now, my focus is really storytelling through Noble Promise Studios, really, really having everyone, as many people as possible, taste this banana pudding because I really believe in it. I think LaRussell, up-and-coming artist from Vallejo, you know, really inspired by him. He said, like, if you have art, like, why wouldn't you push it? You know what I mean? If I have art, if I have something I believe in, like, I want as many people to taste it. So, that's my number one focus right now is just getting as many people to taste this banana pudding and kind of just get to know me a little bit. 
Um, and we'll just take it a step at a time, a day at a time. Nice. With this the new show, I know you came in seventh place. I know you don't want to be a spoiler. But, um... <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, seventh place. My bad. She's doing research. She was doing research. I love it. Yeah, did a little research. But I was wondering, um, what made what was the difference? What were the two big differences between Chopped and Hell's Kitchen? So House, right. So House Kitchen is is an everyday thing. It's a full season. You know, Chopped is one day. You know, it's a long day and you bang it out. But House Kitchen is every single day. And, and you know, that type of stuff wears on you. You know, the first day I, I got the best chef, you know, one of the best chefs Gordon Ramsay ever tasted, you know, a five out of five. And throughout the season, it gets, you know, different and difficult. And, you know, I've had some really great highlights throughout the season. Um, but I would say that the biggest thing is like every day you're getting challenged and pushed, you know, it's like a boot camp. So by the time the black jacket challenge came, you know, it was really exhausting. We went through a lot of, I went through like three rounds. I was on the third round. And then I, I had like Gordon Ramsay didn't even taste it, taste the, the last, my last dish. It was the chefs that tasted the last dish. So, you know, for me, I think the most important thing is just cooking with your heart out, no matter what show you do, whether it's Top Chef or whether it's Chopped or Hell's Kitchen, whatever, you just got to really cook with your heart out. So at the end of the day, I think that's what helped me get through was just cooking with my heart and, and knowing that it's no different. In a sense, it's different, but it's no different than just cooking for anything. And before I know I spoke to you on location at the New York Fashion Week, we were speaking about your um, palate and how it was kind of spicy and sweet. How yeah. would you describe, I guess... Oh, do you, do you saute? Do you marinate? Do you do any of those types of things? I like, do. Yeah, absolutely. So I think with our culture, right, when we're talking about Caribbean food or Southern food, I think a huge important play in part, part of that is the marination process, right? Because when you look back, we had the scraps, right? We had the mm -hmm. scraps, we had all the intestines, we had the things that nobody wanted. And we had to kind of make do of these ingredients, right? Back then, we didn't have the, the kitchen equipment that we had, or we didn't have a lot of amazing things. So we had to figure out how to fermentate, right? We had to figure out how to marinate. That's how it really started, right? So like, if you look at jerk chicken, it started just by, it was a way to keep the chicken actually well. That's why we, that's why we barbecued it. That's why we cured it. That's why we marinated it. And then over time, you figure out like, it creates a lot of flavor. If you look at French cuisine, it's maybe not as popular, but when it comes to our culture, I think it's something that I, I like to highlight a lot. You know, I love to marinate. I think stews taste better the second day that it's made, right? you know, stuff like that. Like if we do an oxtail dish, I don't want to serve it until the second day because I really want those flavors to meld and things like that. So um, I love that type of stuff. I think the best way to describe my palate would be balanced. I worked for an amazing, amazing chef, Jared Gabbar with Michael White is one of the most well-known, you know, American, Italian chefs in the country. And when I was cooking with him, he taught me along with one of my mentors as well, Chef Mark Bynum, who was an African-American chef from Long Island. I worked with him for free. He won chopped three times, right? So both these chefs, both these chefs really taught me the same thing, which was balance, right? If you have something too spicy, you can't enjoy it. If you have something too sweet, you can't enjoy it. If you have something too salty, you can't enjoy it. So kind of just how can we, how can something become delicious by highlighting little notes of everything, right? How can it be a little salty, a little sweet, a little spicy, hot, you know, savory, buttery, you know, whatever it is. So whenever I cook, I always I always try to look at the flavor profiles and, and how can we incorporate all of them. Are you doing this, I guess, achieving balance to spices only or are you using vegetables or any other you, kind of... You can create balance with anything, you know, whether it's vegetables, whether it's dessert, whether it's an entree. I'll give you an example. With our banana pudding, we actually, we use actually a little bit of salt in it, which, which you know, so like, you're like, what? Salt in a dessert? But it, it works because it gets your taste buds going, right? It gets you going for that next bite. And 
and you really want that balance. So you can create balance with anything. It's all about, it's a canvas. It's a blank canvas. Is how can you draw it? So if I were to ask you to open your refrigerator, what's in there and what would you make? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you open up my refrigerator, uh, it's probably a whole bunch of leftovers, some meal prep stuff. I've been trying to get my body right. There's a lot of like grilled chicken, broccoli, and fruits, water, stuff like that. But, you know, what would I make? I mean, I'll try to make a one pot dish. As a chef, when you're working in a restaurant for hours and hours and hours, the last thing you want to do is come home and make, you know, this amazing dinner. <laughs> so instead, you kind of want to make something that has a lot of flavor, but all can go in one dish. So what I would do is I would take out a cast iron pot or some type of maybe a hex clad pot because we love hex clad but one of my pots and dump everything inside of it together, right? And we would start cooking it low and slow until it's nice and tender and develops those flavors, you know? So maybe I'll make a curry stew, you know? Maybe I'll make a tomato stew, some type of stew. Nice. It sounds good. Yeah, I love Dutch ovens because the, um, they have that wok effect to me. Right. So I kind of love that. And I love the fact you can bake it. They're, right. they're very versatile. Yeah, everything. What are... um. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't speak about? Because no. I know you're, you're, very, you're a man of the community. Are you working with any community service organizations that you would like to touch on yes, as yes, well? Yes, 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 yes. So we're going to start. So I've been doing the, the African-American series, right? Um, every day we launch one of our African-American inspired dishes. Starting in March, we're going to start selling these actual physical, physical printouts of each dish signed by me. And a portion of the proceeds are going to go to National Black Food Justice to support Black farmers. And this is going to be raising, this is going to be fundraising to open the restaurant uh, to continue that going. Um, and then you also get an NFT as well, which is something that will be a membership pass to the restaurant. Um, but you actually get a physical canvas and it's actually donating to people that are doing, you know, amazing things. And we really want to support Black farmers. We really want to support our community by educating kids and the youth about whole foods, the importance of whole foods. We don't want, we don't want to rely on fast food anymore you know as much we want to rely on foods it's going to make you feel good and and get you going for the day and and just educate people on that i know a lot of times that um people are speak speak to farmers and sustainability and how they're really having some issues with trying to sustain themselves what are some of the key differences between african-american or black farmers versus white farmers or mainstream american farmers? i would say for me you know it's just keeping it keeping it with, within our culture right like it's just a different it's a different connection it's just really, everything's better when it, when it comes to people that look like us, look like us, you know, having that relatability. And then also too, there's just such a small percentage of, of black farmers, right? That, and you see it so many times that we have to give up our land and we have to do all these things. So why not support, you know, the small percent or, or the demographic or something like that, you know, just try to keep this land and just try to keep it within our culture. So for me, it's just a small, it's just a lot smaller percentage that and we want to fix that. We want to change that. So you're a huge inspiration to so many, bro. Like you, I'm sure you know this and people highly respect you and, you know, you have Michelin stars and you're a hard worker and you're just such a, um, you have a great spirit. And um, I know a lot of young people, yeah, I know a lot of younger people are looking at you like, oh my God, I want to be like him. What kind of advice would you offer them? I would say <laughs> no is just the beginning of the conversation. I would say that's that's a really great piece of advice. I've been told no so many times. The way I got the way I got you know a lot of my jobs, or even when I went to EMP, I was told no a whole bunch of times. Just following up and and persevering through the tenacity, that thing, and not taking it personal, I think is a huge thing. That and to stay positive, right? Things happen for you; they don't happen to you. If you remember that, if you remember 
know is just the beginning of the conversation and that things happen for you and not to you, I think you'll be all right with whatever career path, whatever you choose, you know? I would say just put in the work and put your head down and just don't give up. The moment you the moment you give up is like that's when it ends. You know, that's when you lose. You have a fair chance until then. You know what I mean? So just don't give up. I know that sounds so cliche. Everybody's like, don't give up, but it's it's real. It's real. Like if you don't give, like that's the only way you could lose. It's the only way you could lose. It's so true. So repeat that one more time so I can say it five times. <laughs> <laughs> you got no, it's just the beginning of the conversation. No, well, it's the beginning of the conversation. And you said things things, things happen for you, not uh, things happen mm-hmm. for you, not to you. Nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those so words when, definitely live, but when something happens and you're like, man, I thought it was gonna go like this, just whatever you believe in, just remember it's happening for you. Like it's God or the universe or whatever telling you, like, that's not for you. You gotta move over here to this. You gotta pivot to this. You gotta chase to this. You gotta stay flexible. But one of the best quotes for me is uh I remember hearing this from Quincy Jones. It was once a task has just begun, never leave it until it's done. Whether task big or small, do it well or not at all. I feel like if you imply that into your life, whatever it is you're doing, it will apply to everything you're doing. And I think you'll be successful. Look at you, little guru. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, bro, for stopping by and talking to us and speaking with us and sharing so much joy, just so much realness and, um, you know, just being a beacon of light. Uh, especially during these times. I really appreciate that. Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to um, follow you and I can't wait to see what's next for you and I can't wait to see how you guys open the studio and, you know, how how it's going to go up. We're going to receive it. I'm sure people are going to be loving it because, you know, you have such a great personality. You and Josh are so like, hi, hi, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be really interesting to see how you and Josh do that. So I'm really proud of you to keep up all your good work. And um, yeah, I'll be in touch with you soon and um, have a good weekend if I don't hear from you. Thank you, man. You too, brother. Have a great weekend. It's my pleasure. Humble by the time, you know what I mean? And and you are a great spirit as well. So keep being you, man. And uh, I'll right. definitely talk to you soon, brother. All right. Take care, bro. Peace.